Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Coming up, the growing divide between the elites and the everyman about the convoy on its way to Ottawa. Plus, former NHL great Theo Fleury stops by. The Andrew Lawton Show starts right now. Hello and welcome to The Andrew Lawton Show here on True North. It is Friday, January 28th, 2022. I was going to say T-minus one day until the convoy because the big, of course, arrival is in Ottawa tomorrow on Saturday. And I'm going to be there. I'm actually leaving right... I'm going to like run out the door at rapid cartoon speed at the end of the show to get my rear end Ottawa, which, uh, well, my rear end's pretty much the size of an 18-wheeler, so it'll blend right in on the convoy. But I I can't even say it's T-minus one because the convoy is bigger than just tomorrow. The convoy has been for the last week. The convoy's been growing every single day. We've got multiple routes from all over the country. And the message itself is more and more under attack by the media and by the political elite. I'm not going to rehash all of the criticism here. The Toronto Star, however, Cal Surprise, on their front page this morning, was talking about the danger, the risk, the fear of the convoy. That was all they were doing, highlighting solely the negative. That's the front page story of the Toronto Star. So if the Toronto Star is against you, you must be doing something right. That's generally always been my approach, not just to this, but just to the world itself. So let's talk about the real people here, because I I said on the uh, show yesterday, I've never seen in Canada in the last decade a bigger divide between the downtown Ottawa consensus, the Laurentian elite consensus, and what everyone else in the country who's paying attention is seeing in the same story, the same event. And in all honesty, I said it yesterday, I'll say it again, I've seen more and more people that are not part of a political orbit by any stretch, let alone a conservative political orbit, that are paying attention to the convoy, that are supporting truckers, people that I know are totally pro-vaccine, in many cases pro-vaccine mandate historically, have been <laughs> saying to me, I've had a couple of them, you know, this uh, this convoy seems like a pretty, this seems like the real deal, this seems legit. So more and more people are paying attention, yet if you were to look at the mainstream media, you'd think that Canada was on the verge of a Charlottesville hate rally of transport trucks on its way to Ottawa. Key and Bextie over at the Counter Signal shared this video clip that I, I wanted to play a little bit of here. These are two Indigenous women supporting the convoy, talking about how, as Indigenous women, they feel attacked not by the convoy, but by the government. Sure. We've been shut out of so many things, travel... Yeah. Um, our own work, community, our, our own community. Yeah, anything in our community. We're not allowed to go to our health clinic um, in our community. We're not allowed to attend um, round dances in our community. Um, like, I've lost so much family and friends because of this. So, yeah, I, I have loved ones across the U.S. border. I haven't seen for two years. Yeah. We're not allowed to get on the plane, a boat, a train. All right, all right. So you think it's it's time to it's time to end the pandemic policy? It's oh, time absolutely. to end the mandates absolutely. and all the uh, the ridiculous, crippling um, responses. Yeah, to the this. hate. Yeah, the, the hate, hate is awful. Yes. Would you call Justin Trudeau a hateful person? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. For sure. 
Absolutely. Yeah. He's got to go. All right. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Oh, yes, those must be those uh, evil, scary, indigenous, white supremacist racists we've been warned about. Yes, we must protect everyone in Canada from these uh, indigenous, racist, white supremacist types. My goodness, this is absurd. And if you start looking at the makeup of this, it is minorities, people from all walks of life, young and old, different religious groups that are all coming together saying, we've had enough of the vaccine mandates, we've had enough of the restrictions, we've had enough of COVID. Because now that the narrative has shifted a little bit, you start to see the debate change in pretty fundamental ways. One of the big examples of this is people saying, well, I mean, why are, why are they protesting Ottawa? If their issues are lockdowns, why are they not going to Victoria? Why are they not going to Edmonton, to Toronto, to provincial capitals? Why are they not devoting and directing their ire at provincial leaders? And, and this is a fair question. Listen, if there were a national coordinated effort to send truckers to every provincial capital. It might be a neat story. But one thing that strikes me, and, and this came up a couple of years back, or maybe it was September of 2020, when the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights, the CCFR, was putting together its big integrity march in Ottawa. And Tracy Wilson and Rod Giltaka were asked, why not just have these in every city across Canada? And they said, because you need to make an impact by showing how many people you have. You don't want to diffuse your efforts and your numbers where people can't see how many of you there are. Despite the logistical challenges, it is going to be a sight to behold when in Ottawa we have tons of people, trucks, sedans, SUVs, individual people that are all there saying, hey, we, we want to be seen, we want to be heard. And Ottawa is, yes, a location, a physical geographical location where the federal government sits. But it's more of a metaphor for government at this point as well. Because when these truckers are going there to Ottawa, to Parliament Hill, they're not exactly turning away from provincial restrictions. They're just saying, we want to all be in one place. And if we're going to be in one place, what better place to be than the national capital? And that's what's happening here. And the misrepresentation we're seeing of the convoy in the media, by the media, is absolutely insane. People are noticing. People are noticing. Russell Brand, who is a, a, an actor, actually I haven't seen much of him in a while in acting, although I see these little clips from his podcast. He did a video, it's 15 minutes long, I won't play the whole thing, but he did this little uh, mini one, which I think encapsulates how people outside of the country, and more importantly outside of the elite, are seeing this. All right, well, do the Canadian truckers. There's a great big convoy heading across Canada to protest vaccine mandates. When we prepare these videos, we have to find mainstream media content to comment on and to build our content and get to help us formulate a perspective so that we can get in a discourse with you. We can't find any about these Canadian truckers, and yet people want to hear about it. So what is going on? And the main questions I have to offer is, how come the truckers go from being heroes one minute when they're delivering vital goods and services to being loathed if they won't participate and uh, capitulate according to the will of the powerful. The answers are probably pretty bloody obvious to any of you that switched on it. Now, I should say that I, I'm not one of these people. Well, I do like Russell Brand. I'm, I'm not one of these people that puts a huge emphasis on what celebrities say and think. I think that sort of uh, that approach works against conservatives more often than it works for them. 
However, I do think it is interesting the few celebrity renegades we've seen on this. Rob Schneider, who I him I absolutely love. I love Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler's movies, and it's hard to find an Adam Sandler movie without Rob Schneider in it. He had a couple of tweets yesterday. He he said Trudeau may have to redefine what a small fringe minority is, as he showed the picture of the convoy stretching from Manitoba to Ontario, and then he also tweeted later on after Justin Trudeau's uh, COVID isolation that he doesn't actually need to be doing because the public health guidelines say you don't have to if you're negative, but whatever. And he says, Generalissimo Trudump has, I'm not one for name calling, but it's Rob Schneider, has conveniently contracted the truckers are coming for me variant. (laughs) Official statement should read, staying safe, avoiding any vehicles with more than 17 wheels. Hashtag truckers for freedom 2022. So in my view, this is just Rob Schneider telling all Canadian truckers, you can do it. I'm not going to do the voice, but if you've seen a Rob Schneider movie, you know exactly the voice in which that was meant to be said. You can do it. His message to Canadian truckers. And Elon Musk, of course, (laughs) started with saying, maple syrup, which is not just poor French, but it's actually a a Franglish pun, which uh, good on Elon Musk for being able to pull off. And then he also said just Canadian truckers rule and CB radios are free from government and media control, which is not entirely true. Government does control CBs, but I do know the government is not controlling the convoy, which is why the convoy is making such an impact here. So we've got some of these renegade celebrity types. We've got independent media. I mean, the number of independent journalists that I know are on their way to Ottawa right now or are in Ottawa right now ready to cover this is insane. And again, independent media, I've often said, lacks the budget of mainstream media because we're not on the government payroll. We don't get the big corporate donations. So when independent journalists are are making a point of going there, that speaks volumes about the appetite there is to cover this honestly and fairly. True North is going. If you want to chip in and support our costs, you can head on over to donate.tnc.news. I know a lot of you have donated to the convoy itself. We're asking if you can send a couple of bucks our way so that we can cover this fairly and represent this accurately. And the reason I, I bring that up is because we sent out a, a fundraising email to our supporters just letting them know our plans. We, we're going to have, I think, four people there covering this. And it's important because we don't know what we're in for. We don't know how much uh, there's going to be to cover. We don't know how long this is going to last. I know there have been uh, some events that have been announced for Sunday. Some people have talked about staying until the mandates are lifted. I think all of this is going to be something where we have to just play it by ear. But I do want to talk about that because as much as I do not believe the maligning version of this that's circulating, that this is an event of radicals and extremists and all of that, I'm not going to deny the possibility that there are people with impure intentions for whatever reason that want to disrupt, that want to destroy. It's certainly possible. It's what happens when you have a large grassroots movement. There's no passport to enter the convoy. Anyone can just say, I'm a part of this. I'm going to be there. And I unequivocally, preemptively denounce any violence, any hateful rhetoric that we hear because fighting for freedom is supposed to be unifying. Fighting for freedom is unifying because it affects us all. And anyone who doesn't get that, anyone that's out there for their own reasons, anyone who uh, seeks to usurp or undermine, you're not welcome in movements that are about freedom. And as I said yesterday, I'll say again, you are also not doing the movement any favors. Morally wrong, yes, but also practically not going to help anyone. And and this brings up the question of blockades, because some people have said they want to actually disrupt Ottawa, disrupt the flow of Ottawa. 
And this is a difficult question because a lot of people on the right, myself included, were very much against the blockades we've seen in Canada against pipelines. People blockading rail, uh, disrupting critical infrastructure. Conservatives generally supported laws prohibiting that. Not prohibiting protests, but prohibiting protests that disrupts infrastructure or destroys infrastructure. And I support that. So just as I did then, now I do not support anyone blockading roads, denying entry, denying access, doing anything that disrupts infrastructure. That is not what peaceful, law-abiding protest is about. And be very careful about consistency, because if you were against the idle no more rail blockades, you should be against this. And the same goes to the left, by the way. The left that was all defending the blockades shouldn't be coming up now and being like, oh, these, tr these truckers better not try to block a railway or something like that. Because, again, you have to be consistent. And, and one thing that I've noticed in myself is that I pride consistency more than pretty much anything else and will continue to be. Because if you aren't consistent, you veer into hypocrisy, which is not something that I'm comfortable with, and I hope you're not as well. But all of that negative stuff out of the way, I remain optimistic, and I remain hopeful that the tide is turning, and that more and more real people are talking about this. And the great thing is, when real people start paying attention, and they see the signs, they talk to their neighbors, they watch the convoy, they hang out on an overpass, whatever the case may be, when that happens... When that happens, all of the media ignorance about this becomes less and less relevant and more importantly, more distrusted. When people see that video of the indigenous women crying because of what they've had done to them by the state because they're not vaccinated, when they see that happen and then they see on the front page of the Toronto Star that, oh, this is just some racist hate event, most people are thinking, um, well, well, hang on, what about, what about those indigenous people? Why aren't you telling their stories? What about these working class people that are just distraught about their lost livelihood? What about them? And that's why this is so important. Everyone's coming on board, even, by the way, Aaron O'Toole. The last couple of shows I've pointed this out, Aaron O'Toole not wanting to give a straight answer, not able or willing to give a straight answer about whether he supports the convoy. Finally, yesterday, he decided he is in favor of of the convoy. He's in favor of the truckers. You might say it's too little too late, but I have to acknowledge in the interest of completeness that Aaron O'Toole has finally come around <laughs> to what I said would probably be inevitable when he sees just how many people, including and especially including those in his caucus, were on Team Convoy. He came out and gave a, a statement yesterday in which he laid out that, yeah, he's pro-convoy. Although he said in this particular instance that he's always been against mandates, and his position hasn't changed from earlier in the week. I don't buy that, because he was asked seven or eight times earlier this week about the convoy. He was asked to condemn it, and it was asked to support it. I mean, he was just asked to say what he thinks about it and wouldn't. So his mind has definitely changed. But he released yesterday a video. I won't share the whole thing, but he talks about how important the truckers are and that he's going to be meeting with them in Ottawa. Do you know what vegetables grow really well at minus 30? None of them. Canada is a trading nation. If you own it, a trucker delivered it. You probably noticed some empty shelves at your grocery store. That's because Justin Trudeau put in place a mandate that all truckers entering this country, either Canadian or American, have to be fully vaccinated. If Trudeau's attack on truckers is allowed to continue, tens of thousands will be unable to work. And more than that, grocery prices will become even more expensive while fruit and vegetables rot in American warehouses unable to get to Canada. The produce that will be able to get to Canada 
will see their shipping costs skyrocket by 25%. And Canadian families and small businesses will be the ones ultimately paying Trudeau's bill. Two years ago, truckers were crossing the border between Canada and the U.S. when no one else was allowed, when no one else would. They're often the unsung heroes of the essential services. Drivers are still active in moving supplies during a pandemic, but they face some unique challenges. In the face of a new disease and all the confusion at the start of the pandemic, it was many of these brave truckers that helped get us through COVID. There's no way around it. Fast forward to today, and Justin Trudeau is demonizing many of those truckers and threatening both our economy and our food supply, all to distract from his inflation crisis and his failures on COVID. Now there's a convoy of truckers on a cross-country protest to draw attention to how unfair this mandate is to them. The freedom to peacefully assemble, to protest, is a critical part of our democracy. Truckers want to work. Justin Trudeau's telling them no. We're really, really alienating big pockets of our population with some of these mandates. And whether it's justified or not, it's hard to say. Whenever a policy is being implemented, I think we have to ask ourselves, what's the goal here? Like, what are you actually trying to do? That's probably one of the most important aspects uh, to question when you're making policy. And, I, and sadly, I think sometimes that gets lost this policy against truckers is an attack on common sense. And it's an attack on every Canadian's household budget. Canadians deserve access to affordable food. Truckers have been our COVID heroes, period. Canada doesn't function as a trading nation without them. Pitting Canadians against one another is un-Canadian. But just watch as Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party try to demonize these hardworking men and women. But that's how it is in Justin Trudeau's Canada. You're only a hero if you agree with the Trudeau Liberals. It's really important that you share this video. We need to show truckers that we appreciate their hard work and that we're gonna stand up for their right to peacefully protest. And we need to get the truth out before Justin Trudeau's inevitable smears and attempts to divide. We're gonna hold Justin Trudeau to account for this. We're going to make sure when Canadians start to notice their grocery stores empty, it's because Justin Trudeau played politics with Canada's food supply. Now, I know it angers a lot of you because a lot of you have very strong opinions about, you know, being pro-CPC or pro-PPC or anti-CPC or anti-PPC. I don't have a team. I give credit where it's due and I give criticism where it's due. I No one can accuse me of being an O'Toole shill given anything else I've said this week. But I, I tweeted that I thought it was a solid video and then I had a bunch of people saying I was shilling for the CPC. When in that same tweet, by the way, I also said, where the heck was this a couple of days ago? So I do think it's a completely defensible tone he's striking. I also have serious questions about why it took so long to reach that conclusion, why it took so long to realize this was the right thing to do. And again, was it just because he was waiting for the polling to come in? Was it that he didn't know how many people in his caucus were going to outflank him on this? I, I think either one and both are, are perhaps plausible. But the whole point is, is that we have not had a conservative leader of the opposition in politics, in elected office, that's the key, in elected office, who's been opposing the government on pandemic restrictions. Just has not happened. We have not seen that in Canada. So if this does not become something enduring, I'll be very disappointed. But that is my hope. 
My hope is that something clicks in Aaron O'Toole's head and he realizes that, you know what, perhaps he can actually take up the fight, take up the battle and start being the opposition leader that Canadians want on these pandemic restrictions. Because right now, pretty much every mandate has gone in unopposed, despite maybe a press release saying, well, you know, we think rapid testing should be an alternative. There's been no real opposition on this. Trudeau has not been wedged on this, on the question of why are you forcing Canadians to do X, Y, Z? And if you believe power flows from the top, a lot of the provincial restrictions are, yes, provincial responsibility, but there's been federal leadership here and a federal narrative. And that has gone basically unchallenged. And you know what? In the absence of a conservative opposition leader in Ottawa doing this, that's why truckers are. Truckers are filling a void. Nature abhors a vacuum, as they say. We've got to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk to one of those people outside the political elite who is cheering this all on. Stay with us. That's coming right up. You're tuned in to The Andrew Lawton Show. Welcome back to The Andrew Lawton Show. Well, the theme on this show has been the growing divide between the downtown Ottawa consensus, the Laurentian elites, about what's happening on this majestic convoy rolling toward Ottawa, and people virtually everywhere else in the country and elsewhere in the world as well. I mentioned earlier a couple of uh, these Hollywood celebrity types that have been looking at this from afar and saying, yeah, this is exactly what we need to be supporting here, Canadian truckers rolling for freedom. Well, one... Canadian celebrity, if I may be so bold as to call him that, has been doing the rounds and has attracted global attention to this, and that is a, a good friend of True North, Theo Fleury, a former NHL great and Olympian, who has been cheering on this convoy from Calgary, where he joins me now. Theo, good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, my pleasure. It's, it's, I finally got on the show. It's awesome. Love it. <laughs> well, I appreciate you uh, taking the time. I, I know you did uh, some great work in Candace Malcolm's documentary, Calgary in Crisis, a couple years back. So it, it's good to talk to you here. What is it that attracted you to this convoy? Well, I think what it, what attracted me to politics in the first place, you know? Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I didn't really know a whole lot about politics. Um, you know, I grew up in a family where, you know, we didn't really talk about politics or I wasn't around politics. And, and, uh, and to be honest with you, I didn't know if I was liberal, conservative, libertarian, patriot, nothing. Right. And, uh, 2015 Trump comes down the escalator at Trump towers and, you know, announces to the world, he's going to be president. And I'm like, what? Well, why does this guy want to be the president? And I, you know, I'd met Trump a, f <clears throat> a few times in New York when I was playing there. And, and uh, you know, to be honest with you, I really liked him. You know, he was a genuine guy and, you know, shook, shook my hand, looked me in the eye, you know, was interested in my family and all those other things. So I started following politics. Right. And uh, um, so I started obviously watching CNN because that's what everybody does. And uh you know, I was like, something's just not right. Right. So I went to, I, so I switched over to Fox and then I went, Oh, okay. I get it. Okay. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, really figured out that I was a, you know, a, a patriot, you know, freedom lover, freedom of choice, freedom, just freedom in general. And uh, so, so the convoy to you is about freedom and patriotism then. Right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. It's the greatest act of patriotism we've ever seen in our country right because 
you know, I've represented my country 10 times in my life. All right. And I put the maple leaf on my chest and any big hockey event in Canada, the country sent shuts down for two weeks. Everybody goes, gets their red and white Jersey. They put their flag up. They make signs or they come to the world junior or they come to the Olympics. And it's about pride. It's about, you know, all of these things. And so what I've seen is the country has been in, you know, a depression for two years because our fearless leader and the Canadian media have just constantly, constantly pumped fear into the minds of Canadians, right? And so everybody went along with it because that's what Canadians do. We're nice and compliant and all those things. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of truckers get together and they say, yeah, you know what? Enough's enough, right? Enough is enough. And what happens? People start coming out of their houses, grabbing their red and white, you know, things they have in their house and they're coming out in droves. And to me, that's the Canada that I know. And that's the Canada that I grew up in. But unfortunately, the liberals who are all completely insane and out of their minds and should not be anywhere near Ottawa are trying to push this narrative that has been tried 24 times in the history of our planet and every single time it's failed. And the only byproduct of this type of ideology is what? Death, which is what we're also seeing at the same time. So I don't want any part of that, to be honest with you. And I, and I would say the majority of people do not want that, right? And that's exactly what we're seeing. Right. That's exactly what we're seeing. And now there is a panic in the Liberal Party or the Uni Party, whatever you want to call it, and the Canadian media. Like it's these people hate our country. They hate it. They hate our country. They hate the people that live in it. Uh, they don't want patriots. They don't want any patriots. They don't want anybody to be prideful. Nothing. It's it's ridiculous and it's a joke. Let me ask you about the patriotism component, because one thing that I've seen in increasing numbers in the last few months in particular, right? I think this winter has broken a lot of people, is a lot of them who have the means to leaving Canada, people that take up residence in Florida, people are going to Mexico, a couple that are going to Europe, which has never historically been the place that you think of as being freer on a day-to-day -day basis than here. But but people are leaving the country, and, and I understand the pessimism. Every time we've been plunged into another lockdown, worse for me here in Ontario than, than for you in Alberta, I'm like, oh, do I just like pick up stakes and, and go? Whereas what I am seeing now in this convoy there's a lot of anger but but anger comes from a place of hope in a way because you have to feel that something is worth getting angry about don't and confuse anger with passion those two things always get flipped around this I, has nothing to, to just this has question, nothing to, there's people are hopeful now i feel this week right but take anger out of the thing because I've been listening to the truckers. I've been on spaces. There is no anger, none at all. Zero. It's called passion and love of country, which Trudeau hates our country, hates the citizens of our country. It's unbelievable. 
it is a passionate cry to the people who are asleep. Please wake up. Please wake up because we're going down a road that we don't want to go down. He's tried to project that hatred onto the unvaccinated specifically. The vilification we've heard in terms of, oh, they're racist, they're misogynist, they're unacceptable, all of these things. But it's interesting because that's been working in some ways up until now. But the last week in particular, as this convoy has gone on, a lot of the people vaccinated, triple vaccinated, no vaccine, whatever, that are coming are are saying that this is not about that anymore. So I, I think something has twigged in people's minds where they are realizing, no, 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 you you can't just vilify large segments of the country. If you go for them, you're also coming after us. That seems to be the feeling. And there's absolutely zero science that says the vaccinated are the dangerous, right? Him him in hiding, that's perfect. We love it. We don't want to see your face. We don't want to hear your rhetoric anymore. It's perfect, right? So, um, like I said, there's no science that, like, and, and the narrative, the narrative is gone, right? Gaslighting has gone out of style, you know, uh, you know, saying that we're a white supremacist movement. I'm a Métis person from Manitoba. You know, I'm the first Métis racist person in Canada. You know what I mean? So the narrative doesn't work anymore. And that's why these truckers got in their trucks and came to Ottawa and then, and then they, they, they dragged everybody else, you know, with them. And so, you know, as far as I'm concerned, this is over. Whatever the liberals and conservatives, NDP, the block, all that, it's over. We know, we know exactly what you're trying to do, what you're trying to put on this country. So it's over. It's over. You mentioned being Métis, and I I have to ask about that because more than any other demographic group, not that I like segmenting the country based on those terms, but more than any demographic group, Indigenous Canadians have more of a right to be distrustful of government than anyone else, just given the the history of of Crown-Indigenous relations. And and we know that Indigenous people have uh, less, on average, vaccination in their population than non-Indigenous people, and and they're, as such, disproportionately affected by mandates and vaccine passports. And it's amazing that the government that claims reconciliation is its first and foremost goal isn't interested in the effect of its push for vaccination on populations that have reasons to be skeptical of, of government enforced medicine yeah well anybody uses the word misogynist racist whatever that's a projection you know uh trudeau has been caught how many times blackface like trudeau needs to resign he absolutely needs to resign. And, uh, you know, um, but to get back to, you know, the, the indigenous people of Canada, you know, I've done most of my healing in the indigenous community. And I believe uh, that the indigenous community has the greatest untapped resource of medicine on the planet. Because when I got COVID, I called uh, a really good friend of mine who's a medicine man down in Cardston, Alberta. And uh, he came, dropped off some medicine. I did four doses of his medicine and I was as good as new. So, um, it, it, like, 
it's unfortunate that, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people can't really actually see what's going on, you know, and to be honest, Andrew, uh, in the last two years, all of my sexual abuse has come back. All of it. All of it. Why? Because the same tactics that my abuser used against me is the exact same tactics that the government has used to get people to obey, line up, and get these, these shots. And it's been just a constant 24 hours a day, seven days a week campaign to get people in this mass formation psychosis. And because the, the majority of the population is traumatized, right? Previously, they've been traumatized, you know? And so COVID-19 is the most traumatic event that's happened since World War II. Now we've had another layer of trauma on top of already traumatized people. And so when you're traumatized, guess what? You can't think critically because you're just surviving day to day. You can't. And the abuse from the government feels normal and comfortable, right? And that's why we've seen people go along, you know, with this, with this globalist narrative is because people have, are, are living in their trauma again. And thank God I have enough tools in my toolbox and people around me, surrounding me that I've been able to, you know, manage what's been going on. And I'm not the only one that feels this way. The, the, the hundreds of thousands of Canadians that have, that have reached out to me and texted me, they're all going through the same thing that I've been going through because my government is abusing me constantly 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But nobody talks about this stuff. Nobody talks about this stuff. And you know how they counteract my point that I just made? I'm a crazy conspiracy theorist. No, I'm a critical thinker is what I am. And I've been in this space for 15 years. And so I know, and I, I know what abuse is. And I said to myself a long time ago, when I saw abuse that I was going to speak up because I found my voice in 2009, when I wrote that book and I, I made a promise to myself, if I saw it, I would never allow it to stay silent. Right. And when you shine a light on abuse, this is exactly what happens when you bring the abuse out into the light. What happens? Truckers get in their trucks. People come out of their house. You know, that's what happens. And, and, and all of the lies have been exposed. Let me ask you then, Theo, about where this goes, because you're right that truckers and their, their allies have a great deal of passion. They're taking that to Ottawa. They're making a point. People around the world are paying attention. I, everyone saw that interview you did uh, on Laura Ingram's show on, on Fox News and all of this. We're, we're seeing more and more of this. But you've also talked about how the government has not really cared about the people who are protesting or about, in many cases, the welfare of Canadians in general. So so what motivation is there for the government to respond? I mean, how does this get a result and not just fizzle out and then everyone goes back and the world goes to the way it was two weeks ago? It's not. <laughs> it's not going away. These guys aren't leaving. Nobody, nobody's going home. The truckers are staying. And they're staying until <clears throat> their demands are met, right? 
<clears throat> and uh, um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the how uh, how the government responds, right? And Trudeau's backed into a corner. He's in a corner, and you can see it, right? If you look at his nonverbal communication, not what's coming out of his mouth. Look at his nonverbal communication. He has no idea what to do. He has no clue what to do. And so, uh, you know, the simple fact that, you know, a small fringe, you know, society in Canada is coming to Ottawa, he's in for a rude awakening, right? He is, truly. And, and you know, it's a peaceful protest. And if you know anything about patriots, we're peaceful. We're very peaceful. And we love being together. We love sharing ideas together. And uh, and so, yeah, from what I understand, these guys are staying until something happens, right? And the simple fact that that every small business in Canada just agreed to open their doors to every single human in Canada tomorrow. What does that tell you? That we've had enough, right? Enough is enough. No more complying, no more masks, none of that stuff. We're not, like I said, the narrative is gone. It's gone. Vaccines don't work. Masks don't work. Lockdowns cause Severe damage mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. We're done. We're done. The narrative's over. It's gone. Finished. Theo Fleury, former NHL great and Olympian. A pleasure, sir. Thanks so much for coming on today. Great to see you. You too, man. Thank you. That'll do it for us. As I mentioned, I am out the door and off to Ottawa. So if you are at the convoy and you see me, do come over and say hello. It'd be great to uh, say hello to the people who listen to the show and make it so much fun for me to do what I do. Hope you have a great time and a safe weekend wherever you are. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. God bless and good day to you all. Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news. <laughs>